Hi folks, Lizzie here. I just wanted to take a moment before we dive into this week's episode to talk about current events. Like most of you, we were heartbroken and furious when we heard the stories of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and too many others in recent weeks. My co-host and I wanted to make our stance known and perfectly clear. We fully support the Black Lives Matter movement and all the peaceful protests around the world. We are with you, but the fact remains that we're three white people. We'll never know what it's like to be black, to have to face such vicious and systemic oppression and hate every single day. But we can do our part to help make sure that one more black person is killed in, in heinous acts of police brutality. We implore all of you who are able to take to the streets and make your voice heard to do so. Reject racism. Reject police brutality. Reject the militarization of the police. Reject Trump and his vile, hate-filled agenda. Most importantly, though, lift each other up. Support black artists. Get your food from black-owned restaurants and groceries. Seek out and spend your money at black-owned businesses. Donate to charities and funds that support black communities. Stay strong. We're being heard. Change is happening. And will keep happening as long as you keep fighting. Say their names. Thank you. episode of Sight in the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 2, Episode 9, which is titled Home. The episode aired on December 7th, 1995. Lauren, what was going on that week 25 years ago? Well, the <laughs> FDA approves the new HIV-AIDS medication, lamivudine, more commonly known as 3TC, often used in conjunction with ATZ, 3TC is used to slow down or prevent the reproduction of HIV cells. Slow down damage to... Often used in conjunction with ATZ, 3TC is used to slow down or prevent the reproduction of HIV cells, slow down the damage to the immune system, and reduce the risk of developing AIDS-related diseases. And we will talk about this. I think it's like this one other thing, and then I think it's the protease inhibitors. They talk Mm -hmm. about the triple cocktail a lot. Especially yeah. with Cheney's storyline. Yes. Spoilers. So, which triple cocktail refers to three medications used for HIV slash AIDS patients. So, this is the newest one. Cool. Following the death of Jerry Garcia in August, the Grateful Dead officially decide to break up. Various members would reunite over the years under different group names, most recently as Dead & Company, featuring guitarist John Mayer. And arguably the best Pixar movie ever, Toy Story debuts and holds the number one spot at the box office. Weird fact, Joss Whedon was a writer on that. Mm-hmm. That is that weird. Just freak, that just weirds me out. Isn't um, that weird? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and One Sweet Day by Mariah Carey and Boys to Men takes the number one spot on the music charts. Oh, God. They're combining their superpowers. Uh, when will this end? The monkey's paw curls. They're multiplying now. What have we done? And this week we've got a cool 35 million viewers tuning in uh, to this episode directed by Donna Deitch. Deitch, I'm pretty sure I did this all last season when she directed Full Moon Saturday Night, her first of two episodes, this being the second. 
Uh, and then we also have this one written by Tracy Stern, who is also um, doing her second of two episodes. Uh, she wrote House of Cards in season one. But then getting into the episode proper, uh, we start, we open with uh, Susan walking into, I believe it's one of the trauma rooms, or is it? I think it's one of the side treatment rooms. Yeah. I don't think it's one of the main three trauma rooms. Gotcha. No. But yeah, she's walking in the treatment room with little Susie, waking Doug up to look, to take a look at the young child. And Doug's complaining, it's because, you know, he's asleep. And, and Susan just goes, you're a pediatrician, you're always on. And Doug's like, I'm not your pediatrician, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> It is uh, now 6 a.m. and Susan was up half the night with little Susie because little Susie has a cough. Oh, oh no. Oh, poor baby. But what what was the result of Doug's examination? She's fine. Totally fine. Healthiest baby. Um, and then we go into our, on a complete slingshot, our first case is a two-month-old male found unconscious and cyanotic in his crib. Uh, trauma is handled by Susan and Doug. Yeah, and Susan just, uh, as they're going to take care of this trauma, Susan leaves little Susie with Connie, who is very noticeably pregnant now, I noted. She's got to be at least like a solid four or five months because she's got a big old baby bump. I had no idea how I missed that. It's like, it's framed just so that like you can't see her waistline, but you can definitely Mm. see the top of the bump and the scrubs kind of sticking out. She's definitely pregnant for real. Gotcha. And then his parents say that he was fine the night before, except for a small cold, and he had just been to the pediatrician who had cleared him with a clean bill of health. Um, the parents are Mr. and Mrs. Kenway. They note during the trauma that the anterior fontanelle is flat, and isn't that the um, the bones in the back of your head that fuse once you... Isn't that it's, your fontanelle? I have no yes, idea. the fontanelle is basically the soft spots of the, the soft tissue, bone tissue uh, in the head of infants that takes a while to solidify this one in particular though refers to the front it's the anterior fontanelle so it's kind of like the front the front top of the forehead yeah it's it's what's crudely referred to as the kill switch oh yeah and what so when i (laughs) that's dark so when i had heard that at first i thought that it was going to this was going to be another trauma not trauma case another abuse case but um the baby flatlines, Doug tells Susan they have to call it. They're, it's not going to happen. They're not going to be able to get him back. And um, Doug's just like, it's SIDS. We got to go tell the patient. And SIDS is sudden infant death syndrome, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Just unexplained child death happens. Yeah, so Doug goes to tell the parents. And I, I was for sure, right before this happened and they did the SIDS declaration, I thought this was going to evolve into a you know, one of the parents was abusing the child storyline. Get another chance for Doug to get on his high horse. Right. Or for Susan, too, because, it, like, she's just so worried about little Susie that any, you know, that mama switch is going to go on and any abusive yeah. parent is going to set her off. But, nope, this is just a tragic SIDS case. Mm. Yeah. And although uh, Susan's mommy switch does immediately <laughs> flip, uh, but goes into, like, little protection mode, she goes to check on little Susie right after and this whole thing, just, like, with the music and just everything going on, it feels like it's, like, the end of an episode almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely had and a feeling of And yet we go right into the intro. Up. We do, yeah. and we get more Twinkles, which I'm officially, at this point, dubbing Yay. the Susan Twinkles, because we're three for three now on uh, Twinkles starting an episode with Susan, so I think I think we can officially declare the, the Twinkles to be hers now. It is known. 
It is known, yes. So coming out of the, the intro, um, we jump right in with uh, Harper sneaking up on Carter, telling him he looks awful. Always the best way to start a conversation. Um, he's running on two hours sleep. Uh, and I think he sa- he mentions he's been on for over two days. So that's not great. They're just talking, planning on when they can see each other outside of work next. It seems like everything's kind of after their little makeout session in the street at the end of last episode. There seems like everything's hunky-dory now and they're back to being lovebirds. Um, after so- Carter, Carter got all up on Doug in the basketball game. Yeah, he got that out of his system, and now he's like fully back on the the Harper train. Uh, so they sneak a, into an elevator uh, to make out, and of course, immediately Benton jumps in and cock blocks him. Uh, they like you do, like you do. Yeah, they continue sneaking around from one elevator from the elevator uh, to different rooms on the first floor in the ER, trying to find a room to make out. Uh, they bump into Hale carrying a tray of food, then Randy trying to put up Christmas decorations. Hey, it's almost Christmas. Lydia carrying, I mean, this is totally just like a series of pratfalls. Like they bump into Lydia carrying coffee. They sneak into the radiology room and they think it's empty. Like they look through the window and nobody's in there. So they duck in there. And just as they're about to get started, Susan pokes her head up from the floor where she had dropped something and they make up an excuse and leave. So, and then just as they're about, they're, they're contemplating hooking up in an ambulance, Carol bursts through the door carrying a ton of stuff for the Christmas drive and needs help. Kind of repeating her, her entrance from Blizzard uh, last season where she's covered in fake snow and she's shaking off the, the flakes as she comes in. So it's a good opening. Yeah. It's, it's silly. It's solid. It exactly establishes where Carter and Harper are in the moment. It's steamy. I wouldn't go that far. Okay, it's <laughs> it's lukewarm. They're trying to get the pot boiling, and it's just not happening. Um, but we find out why Carol has all this stuff, and she says her mom is moving to the suburbs and gave her all of her childhood stuff to go through. And at one point, just something I noticed was they pull out a baton, and they're like, ooh, you were a baton twirler? And she was like, yeah, back in the day. And she um, she takes it and tries to spin it and immediately drops it. But she's like, this is all junk. We're gonna I'm going to donate half of it and throw the other half away, like... I'm not keeping this. I feel like that's the version of me like pulling out like my recorder from like the third grade <laughs> and going trying to play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star as well as I did back then. Or me with my ice skates. Fair enough. I don't know if I could ice skate anymore if I tried. I did it for a while when I was like eight. But... I've never properly learned to ice skate. Like I've been taken ice skating several times by by a, a former partner who was very into hockey, but I never learned to stop. So, <laughs> yeah, that's a hard part. So the wall was my the the wall was my brakes. I I was decent. I couldn't do anything fancy, but I could I could keep going and not fall on my butt. I played baseball growing up. <laughs> one one day during the lounge, I'll tell you my my intramural elementary school sports history. Oh Jesus! Um, but for now, uh, Mark is just asking around, seeing if anyone's seen Carter. He's looking. Uh, Needs a scalp laceration sewed up. Um, and we f- go over to... Oh, oh. oh dear. <laughs> Carter and Harper are making out in the chapel. It's nothing sacred. Mm. Not when you're horny. Clutch your rosaries, um, kids. <laughs> but of course, in true Carter fashion, everything has to go wrong. And some nuns come in. And they just have to run it. And they have to try to do their best to hide. My favorite is when Carter leans up and goes, You're not Catholic, are you? <laughs> And then the Carol and Shep show. Shep's looking through all this stuff and going, oh my gosh, this is great. Like, you should keep all this. This is amazing. And again, Carol's like, no, 
Like, my mom's moving. That's fine. I don't really care. And Shep's like, but it's your childhood home. There's, like, markings on the door with your height. And you had family meals there and stuff. And really projecting. And Carol's like, no. It's a house. Whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Would- yeah. I mean, to be fair, I still get super nostalgic about mostly my, my first home. It was like I moved like out from... I was born and was raised in one house and then when I was 12 going on 13 we moved to a new, we moved to a new uh new town from suburb to suburb so like I still like whenever I'm just happen to be at like in the old like in my original hometown of Buffalo Grove like that's a north suburb north of Chicago and I fucking love going by my old house even though it's really really changed from what I remember it and I would I would fucking love to go into that house and walk around and just bask in all of the the weird stuff that happened there in my childhood. Yeah, I don't know if I'd really feel that way. Like, I don't know if we drove past my childhood apartment. We did. No, I'm saying if if we did again, like oh, how, nostalgic, again. Okay. how nostalgic I'd feel. Because it's, it's been so far removed. We moved out of there when I was 16. Fair it's, enough. It's been 12 years since I lived in that apartment and we had so many other memories made it my parents new place that like i don't really know yeah that's fair it's also a town that i'm super nostalgic for as well anyway daniel you want to fill us in on some other stuff <laughs> i just couldn't help but notice here that we learned we, we get two things with shep here one his stupid facial hair is gone thank god uh and number two we find out because randy pokes her head out and tries to get his attention his name actually is shepherd so i was 100 percent right last time even though i was fucking around and called him shepherd his name actually is Shepard, so points for me. But is he a commander? No. No. He's a doofus. Damn. <laughs> um, I just want Mass Effect to be real. <laughs> so uh, the reason that Shep is here is because he brought in a patient, um, a, 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 I guess a John Doe, for lack of a better word, uh, found by the Goodman Theater. He doesn't have any ID on him. Um, he's a patient that we're going to be coming back to. He's pretty much our central patient for the episode, so we'll definitely check back in uh, with him. Uh, we also s- see Mark uh, needing someone to cover a shift, and Doug says he can't. He's got plans, which is another kind of through line that we're going to touch back on over and over again this episode. Mysterious, mysterious plans. Um, but then we go into another trauma. We have a 35-year-old pedestrian who was a victim of a hit-and-run. His uh, name is Ethan Brown, and... Lauren and I noticed again, there's still a t- shit ton of films on the goddamn trauma room lights. Well, even when they wheel them into an empty trauma room. I don't know why this bugs us so much. It, it, it seems to bug Lauren more than me, it's, but... It's my it's my belt situation. <laughs> it's because... Just to do a throwback there. I think to me it's because, in theory, these rooms have been cleared, they've been sanitized, they've been prepped for another patient. So why, in all of that process... In our fictional world, are they not taking films off the board to put them in the correct files? It breaks your immersion. It does. Um, but he's struggling mightily to try to get his uh, his breathing mask off and try to tell him something, but he's not being able to get the words out because obviously they're like, no, dude, you need to breathe. Keep that on, please, for the love of God. <laughs> yes, and it's, it's important to note that this especially happens when they mention his wife. Yeah. And from there, we get Carol checking on the patient that Shep brought in. He refers to himself as Mr. Sullivan. He seems agitated, uh, just like real fidgety, real restless, just like 
clearly uncomfortable. Um, he says, I work with, I work for the committee as an architect and he's very particular. He says, can I have a pencil? Someone hands him a pen. He goes, no, I need a pencil. Somebody's able to give him a pencil and just very, very sweet. Um, I noticed it's a, Hey, it's that guy. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly who he's from. But I immediately was like, oh, hey, it's that guy. Like, I actually had that reaction <laughs> yeah, he did look watching this. He did look extremely familiar. Daniel, where is he from? He is very much an oh, hey, it's that guy. It's uh, Adam Goldberg is the actor's name. And he has appeared in a ton of different things. Um, but most notably, uh, Saving Private Ryan, uh, A Beautiful Mind, and uh, Dazed and Confused, which is kind of one of his, like, breakout roles, like, when that movie was um, hmm. was coming out. Really good actor. I'm I'm... I really enjoy his appearance in this episode. I think he, I think he kind of is a standout in this one. Uh, so then from there we get uh, Benton and Carter doing a walk and talk as they go to check on uh, Ethan Brown. And uh, Benton, <laughs> Benton mentions to Carter, you have a hematoma on your neck, aka a hickey, on his neck from his Ooh. him and Harper's clandestine makeout session earlier. Uh, keep your eyes on that uh, that hickey though. Uh, when he goes to cover it up earlier, it's gonna magically change sides. It's on one side of his neck right now, but by the time he puts the band aid on it, it'll magically have flipped. This is actually a horror episode. We, yeah. we forgot to tell everyone. So, <laughs> so during this uh, trauma, during this uh, scene, he um, Carter puts in a chest tube with no issue whatsoever. Like he handles, it's a hemothorax and he puts it in and drains the blood with like, he is a total pro about it. It was really cool to see how far he's come with stuff like that. Definite growth moment. We go close. We, we grow closer to John Carter MD every day. And then we go back. Oh, we flip back over to Mr. Sullivan. We find out his name is Joshua Shem. Uh, he is a diagnose. He has been diagnosed as paranoid schizophrenic. He uh, ran away from his residential home that he was living in, and turns out that home has a three strikes and you're out type policy. So this is the third time he's run away, so they will no longer take him back. So mm. he's uh, he's homeless now. Mm. Yeah, and we should note that this is a very big patient for Jeannie. Yes. She is helping Carol take care of him, and this is a real big eye-opener for her. So she's going to try and find him housing, but... Kind of makes she, it her mission... Yeah, she and she and Carol are so sweet to him this whole episode, but we'll get into that more later. I just wanted to note. Yeah. Um, and then we overhear Doug is trying to get reservations for a restaurant, and Randy's like, "Nah, you don't want to go there. Pasta's not great. Overpriced. It's nah. You can do better." <laughs> so, way to get into his business. We still don't know who his mystery date is with, and then. Ethan Brown's wife comes in screaming and like, oh my God, where's my husband? Where's my husband? Trying to push her way through. Um, and they're like, no, he's stable. We've got him. He's okay. He's not going to die. And she's like, or no, you know, he's stable. He's fine. And she goes, and she's like, then he's not going to die. And again, we're going back to this weird fucking thing with wives, um, wives and their husbands and asking very strange questions about their care. <laughs> what is up? With the head. are the straights okay? <laughs> Daniel, as your as the resident straight, are are you okay? I mean, you know, as okay as you can be. From there, we get a young girl has come in from a previous treatment at St. Anne's after a skating ex accident accident a skating accident. What the fuck? I haven't done any drugs. Just today. keep going. Keep going. Um, we find out that she's post ictal. She had a seizure in the car after her initial treatment. Um, they're like, did she hit her head? Is anything wrong? 
and her sister is with her, her big sister, and the big sister says, well, they didn't do a CT at St. Anne's. We didn't get any head scans. Like, they just fixed up her leg and sent us on our way. Cool. Seems seems so. legit. Yeah, seems fine. That's that's fine. Yeah, it's great. I refer you to some of our pre- prior episodes about uh, lack of certain procedures being done to Lauren and I in healthcare situations and how then the lovely effects that can have. Then we flip back over. Uh, we're talking. We are with a cop who's uh, talking that you know, Ethan Brown. This was uh, interviewed along with some witnesses, and the car that hit him was his wife's. So, uh, um, about that, uh, Mark is talking to the police officer and just yells to call security because his wife is in. His his wife is in with him, and they go in, and she's trying to suffocate him with a pillow. <laughs> As and you do. Security manages. Yeah, and security manages to get her away, and they and they stabilize him. He's not great, but he's he he'll, he'll live, much to his uh, wife's dismay. Do we ever figure out why she wants to? Stop I don't think killing? so. I yeah. think this is where this ends. Yeah, they kind of just leave it hanging here. It's unfinished. Because I was curious about that too. I was curious about the motivations. I imagine some sort of cheating or I mean, other yeah, who extramarital knows? Who knows? Maybe thing? he's like an know. abusive shit, and she. He could be running yeah, down. Could be a totally legitimate reason to kill him. And then we have a quick little Susan and Mark moment. Susan's talking about how she's going to power Christmas shop after work, get a couple hours, get everybody's stuff done. She's like, "Oh, do you want to come with me?" And Mark's like, "No, you know, Jen already bought Rachel her stuff, and my present to Jen is that I'm spending four days with her family in Sheboygan." <laughs> Which is Best just so name. fun to say best name but so wisconsin may be a dumpster fire of a state but it has some of the best town names i apologize to any wisconsin listeners we may have um sorry to our one patron who lives in wisconsin (laughs) also true yeah so that's (laughs) jen goes or not jen fuck susan goes oh four days with the reverend huh like the ongoing joke that jen's father is awful um and apparently Jen and Mark are still together, I guess. We haven't really talked about them in a few episodes, but... Yeah, Jen hasn't come up, like, at all. Yeah. Nope. He, we haven't found out, like, where Mark's staying. We haven't had any... We just, well, we know that he's been traveling between Milwaukee. Yeah. But even that but we haven't really seen in a few episodes. It's like, we, we've... Yeah. They sort of just remember that she exists when it's convenient. Yeah. More of use it, more of use the whole thing as a plot device to get Mark to live with Doug. <laughs> right and uncover scandals so we jump back over to uh seizure girl from earlier we her name is reba um she's starting to come around starts responding to some questions of course being that she's coming out of the the fog the post-ictal fog she's still very confused um goes into another seizure immediately after uh how would you rate the quality of the seizure uh acting there lauren lizzie and i had a very prolonged conversation after this seizure was shown was it after this or later on? Uh, I feel like it was after this one. Yeah, and we just, I noted that, you know, typically I'm not so much of a fan of the ra- the rapid movement ones that they do, but with this, it looked like she was having more of a, like, less of a rhythmic one like I would typically have, and more of one where your body clenches for a really long time, and that's why she's shaking, and then it kind of releases, and then it clenches really hard again. Mm-hmm. So as far as the ones we've seen... She didn't over-dramatize it. Dram- dramatize? Yeah. Didn't overact it. Yeah. It was, you know, clearly she was having convulsions, but she's not, like, 
breaking Wendy's hand. She's not, like, breaking the bed. She's not hitting anybody. They're very limited convulsions, so it's clear what's going on, but she's not overdoing it. Gotcha. Well, so I, I thought it was fine. Or as my sister and I would joke, it was probably like a B plus. <laughs> it's a B plus seizure. It's above that. It's but I should note to I, sh- I should note to anybody who's uh, balking at that. My sister also has epilepsy. This is this is our black humor. Like <laughs> you're in a position to people. know. No, you're not bad people. You're just you are trying to find levity amongst your conditions. We are embracing our disabilities. There you go. Uh, and just a quick note on Reba she is played by a, an actress named Jennifer Crystal Foley uh, most notably she is Billy Crystal's daughter oh I love Billy Crystal I'm sorry yeah I I don't I don't have any I mean I could find things to have against Billy Crystal if I wanted to but like I like some of his oh movies. yeah but when Harry met Sally gets me every time I really enjoy throw mama from the train with Danny DeVito I feel like I have not seen enough of his stuff like I've only watched when Harry met Sally, the one time that you made me, and it wasn't it wasn't my favorite. <laughs> to blave means to bluff. Change I just out of money, lying about cards. I just like that as Princess Leia. Happy 40th anniversary to Empire Strikes Back, by the way. So many things. Anyway, um, we got an audio clip. Yes, we do. As a matter of fact, we have a uh, Carter is in the bathroom uh, trying to redress his hickey um, when a. Uh, Dr. Buselich comes in, and they have a little short chat. Thank you, Dr. Buselich. Uh, Carter, John Carter. Ah, Carter, yes. I'm going to see you. Dr. Matthews at five, right? Well, uh, no, actually, I'm, I'm Dr. Benton's student. Well, in that case, I guess I look forward to seeing him later, then. Well, no, actually, uh, he's not signed up. I know he wanted to be, but I believe your list was full. Carter, you don't have to cover for him. I mean, if the man isn't interested, no, 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 interested. no. He's interested. He's definitely interested. It, um, well, to be honest, I forgot to sign him up. Aha! Uh-huh. And he was pretty upset about it. I see. Well, I guess I'm going to have to cover for you then. Why don't you send him in at six? I think it's a hickey you have on your neck, Carter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really like Vuselich. Like he's smug, but. No, he's a nice side character. Yeah, he's good. I forget how much longer he actually sticks around, but... I think, well, we're wrong about it so often. Why even guess? I know. I think he's gone before the end of the season. Yeah, that sounds right. But still, I like him. I like him as, like, a sort of foil for Benton during all of this, too. Being, like, uh, someone someone who recognizes that Benton is um, cocky, but, like, is like, no, pro- fuck you. Prove it. Kind of like Hicks last season. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's nice to see someone that Benton is intimidated by. Yeah, anyone who can make Benton put up or shut up is always good in my book. Yeah. Speaking of Hicks, where the fuck is she? I don't know. I want her back. We've gotten a lot of Morgan Stern, but at the expense of not having a whole lot of Hicks. Oh. Is she even still on the show? She is, yeah. She's okay. She's around, but infrequently, you know, and she's definitely going to be a I mom. figure we would have heard about heard from you. <laughs> Mr. Cast, Mr. Castkeeper, tracker of. <laughs> I of try, her. I try, but it's hard. Some of these ones, they just slip through the cracks, you know. So we go back, and Reba is still seizing after being given. I think they said twenty megs of mal- Valium. Yeah. And she's been seizing for ten minutes. Yikes! For for reference, um, if you are if you are ever around somebody who is having a seizure, you are supposed to time it. And get the medical assistance if they have been t- seizing for over, fuck. Three minutes? 
I think it's three minutes. I've done this spiel so many times. Why am I forgetting this now? Either what we're saying here is we're not doctors. Do not take this as medical <laughs> advice. And please, and please, please learn your seizure first aid. Yeah. But also, this is a long time to be seizing. This can lead to brain damage. This lead. This can lead to just a lot of bad things with how long the seizure has been going on for. Um, Susan is like, oh, we need to load her up with Dilantin. And then... She's like, oh shit, she might be ripping her sutures out while she's seizing and she's checking on the girl's legs. And then all of a sudden she has a light bulb moment. She's like, hold the, hold the Dilantin. She asks the sister, you know, did they use lidocaine to numb Reba's legs like before they did all of this? Cause she got, she got cleaned up. And the sister's like, I don't know. They just, they were poking her a lot with needles to, to do something. And she has no idea what lidocaine is, but Susan's like, hold on. Don't do the Dilantin, do phenobarbital instead. Let's get her lidocaine levels. So she thinks that it could be toxicity. Which, yes, this is a known thing that if you have too much lidocaine in your system, it can cause um, seizures and other issues. And then uh, immediately after that, we have uh, Carrie's back. Whoa! I know, she lives. <laughs> um, and she's actually like being nice to to Susan, which is weird, so we must listen to it. I know I gave you nights off this week. Yes, thank you. Yeah, well, I Not was... Not that it did any good. Hudson pleaded with me to cover for him. So, tonight. I guess you couldn't cover for Bowers, then? Yeah, I'm good, Mark, but not that good. Reba Sibbery seizures. St. Anne's gave her a toxic dose of lidocaine? Her level was nine. Yeah, I missed all the fun. So make a terrific case report. You know, Morgan Street is dying to have somebody present a paper at the SAEM conference. Use the credit. The hospital pays for the trip. Trip? It's in Miami. Sounds like a terrific opportunity. I can't write or present a paper. Sure you can. And take care of Susie? I thought your dad was going to help pick up the slack. Yeah, but I still barely have time to get dressed in the morning. Well, I can help you with your schedule here. Yeah, thanks. That's great. But I can't spend my days off in the med library doing research and a trip. Okay. Are you disappointed? Of course not. Do you think I should do it? Susan, it's your decision. First off, real weird that Carrie's being so supportive. It's like, oh no, yeah, you did a great, like, that's Good. an excellent pickup. Yeah, great catch. Go, you know, they do a presentation on this. Like, who are you? She found a did heart. Did a few days off vacation. work? <laughs> yeah, did a few days off work do you that much good? Well, she's been working nights. Yeah. So. I said days. Fair. <laughs> ha. Uh, yeah so either way <laughs> and i love how i love how susan's like well are you mad at me if i don't take it mark's like you're an adult it's your decision i don't even care i don't even care <laughs> but i really don't think he cares i really think he understands where susan's coming from he wants to encourage her as a friend but but also recognize that she is a fucking baby an infant and is a single mom She's yeah. dealing with a lot of shit right now so then from there, we jump back over and check in with Joshua Shem. Uh, he's in with the psych resident, our div replacement, as he as we've named him. You know, the, the guy's asking him, like, you know, how are you going to feed yourself? And he's like, the colonel makes me chicken. I'm building a house. Like, he, he's very good at the, like, detached sort of, like, he's so hyper-focused on the what's in front of him and the questions that he's having to answer. It, like, it's hard to describe the performance he's giving here and it, it it's very like up like he's he's almost chewing the scenery a little bit but 
I still think it's good. Like it's he does it he does a good job with it, I think. But so they, they finish with the evaluation. The psych resident's like, We can't hold him, he's not a danger to himself or others, so you know, cut him loose. Jeannie's like begging, she's like, I'm trying to get him into a halfway house, can you give me more time? And he's like, Sorry, not really. And so yeah, it's the, you know, this is just gonna be the constant battle for the rest of this episode is them trying to find ways to play out the string here and keep him keep him around long enough until they can find a place for him to to go a safe place for him to go um so we'll see where that ends up uh, and then we jump over quickly uh, to the hallway where benton is talking to carter and carter sort of let slip that he talked to Buselich and that he might have signed benton up for it better for Buselich's thing which benton is not really too happy about uh, didn't want to be signed up again kind of going back to that whole intimidation thing like benton is a little bit intimidated by Buselich and the whole um, process. And so like, it's interesting to see Carter being the one trying to like, kind of push him and nudge him in that direction and be like, yeah, man, you can do this. Like it's, it's a fun little like development and wrinkle in their relationship. Um, and then we are, after that, we are right back with Josh doing, uh, doing his uh, drawings and he just mutters the line. I just draw what they tell me, which, okay. So schizophrenia, is that when you have voices in your head? Yes. Okay. It's not. It's I not, think that's it's where not I multiple personalities. Between, that's where I always get confused between that and dissociative identity disorder. Yeah, so. no, this is the one with voices, with potential audio and visual hallucinations. DID is where you have an entirely well, yeah. separate yeah. persona. Yeah, okay. That is often, that's often confused in TV depictions. Okay, yeah. I just got a little bit confused there uh, with that. But uh, Carol finds out that... Uh, Mr. Josh lives at a, lives in Wicker Park. He's a brilliant artist and just knows a ton about architecture and housing. And Carol convinces him to at least stay and eat something and get cleaned up. And Carrie's like, "Yeah, as long as we, as long as we have a bed, sure. Yeah, help him out as help him out as best you can." Because I think they all recognize that he's a, he's fallen through the cracks, unfortunately. Where has this Weaver been the whole season? Yeah, where yeah, where's compassionate Weaver been? Well, I mean. Okay, she's been compassionate with patients, but like, where it's been like nice to the her fellow staff members. Understa- Weaver been understanding manager Weaver. Yeah, understanding yeah. of circumstances and understanding of you know it's not everything has to be by the book rules. I want more of this Weaver. We're gonna get more. I know. I just want, but I want it now. And in a few more seasons, she is very much going to come to the aid of some some staff. Oh, I know. <sighs> I'm not ready for it. So we go on, and Doug still won't tell anyone who his mystery date is for the night, which is rare. He usually likes to brag about these things. <laughs> and then while while he's not telling anyone who his date is, Mark gets a call from a hospital in Milwaukee. And at first I thought, oh god, does he have another fucking job offer? Are we going through this again? But no, we find out Rachel and Jen were in a car accident, and Mark's like, shit, I gotta go catch a train. I gotta go get down there. And Doug's like, no, take my car. Just take my car. Don't even worry about it. Throws him his keys, and Mark bails. Yikes. Um, one whole yike, please. Yeah. One, we award this situation one yike. Um, but then after that, uh, just a quick little short audio. Susan's trying to call and get some more info on Jen. So let's hear, what, <laughs> let's hear about that. Green. Jennifer Green. Any news? No, they won't tell me anything. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Thank you. Are we this bad when people call? No. I give them a bucket full of complete and accurate information. Anybody know anyone over there? I used to date one of their OR techs. Oh. I I haven't talked to him in six years. Dial. 
<laughs> Lydia, you heartbreaker. Oh, Lydia. <laughs> I also love love uh, Randy's little humble brag about, oh yeah, I'm good at my job. It's fine. Oh, I just give them a ton of in- of accurate information. Like, no, I don't do that. But yeah, nothing nothing necessarily comes to that. I just thought it was cute. It was. Love it. I love I love hearing uh, even small shreds of Lydia's uh, love life. Yes. We used to date a guy over there. We don't talk anymore. Ripe I for a spinoff Lydia. series. Because they're still boomers. <laughs> you know, I looked it up to try and find that on YouTube to send to somebody. I can't find it on there now. <gasps> oh, I'll have to dig up my, my links. Let's... Let's reconvene this search later. Um, <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So, a few quick hitters after that. We've got Carter looking at the drawing that Carol uh, was given by Joshua. And he says, what are you doing with a Sullivan? Uh, which is notably what Joshua refers to himself as. So, uh, just, you know, nice little touch here. I mean, it seems like architecture and, like, old stuff seems like a thing Rich Boy Carter would know a lot about. So, that's good. I feel like that's consistent character work. We then see in the in the lounge, Shep is going through Carol's box of old stuff, including her yearbook, <laughs> and uh, making fun of her for a, a uh, what do you, I guess, I like guess, autograph or signature from a classmate that he... He, yeah, like, thank you for doing that thing you did. And he was like, ooh la la. And Carol, <laughs> Carol's like, no, it was a friend. I helped her went through a hard time over the summer. Through a breakup at the cabin. Yeah, or something like that. And we also get little little moment of Carrie and Susan actually getting along. So continuing the theme of Carrie being, being a little bit better now that she's back. And then also another little uh, quick hit. Um, Jeannie is doing her darndest to try to call around and... Still trying her very hardest to get uh, Joshua uh, a bed for the night or for longer than that. So far, to no avail. So, um, there's something I wanted to mention. Um, Earlier in the episode, Carol and Joshua are talking and, you know, he's asking politely, like, you know, where, where do you stay? Where do you live? And she tells him, Wicker Park. And at first I was like, oh no, is he gonna try and stay with her? Like... Where is this going? But really, he's like, he just, he knows a lot about the neighborhood and about the architecture. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, blah, 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 really nice fireplace. She goes, I don't have a fireplace, just some plaster walls. He goes, no, tear tear down the, behind the walls. It'll be there. Like, just just check it behind the walls. Really nice fireplace. So, really she's cute. really cute. She's frighteningly forthcoming with where she lives with a patient. Yeah, I was like, I was like, yeah, especially with like the prejudice against psych patients like there's no way in hell in most modern tv they would have a nurse telling a patient no. that without it ending in like murder yeah nobody would i mean just in general like nobody like i mean jen nurse jen like she she doesn't even ride the train coming home from work in work clothes like she'll change at the hospital like if she when she was pre-pandemic when she would take the train home from work sometimes like she would change at the hospital and then come home that way because you don't want anybody psych patient or not you don't want anybody like making the connection between the person from the hospital and where they live like you just you just don't do that and then we have benton going up to vucelich's office as carter you know let him know that this that he was like hey i got you a shot at this and Ben was like oh shit really so he goes up we we get a little cute interaction with him and view switch in a little bit but just worth noting he actually does go up at six o'clock so we'll see what happens there joshua's mother madeline shows up we find out that he had a breakdown in college while studying to be an architect 
and it took them nine months to get him into the previous home that he was at. And Carol's like, well, can you take him? Like, can he go back with you? And she's like, no, all he cares about is his architecture. He doesn't really, like, his old life doesn't matter to him at all. It, we, we're irrelevant. And so she just, she um, says, I give him money and I give him pencils. The money makes me feel better and the pencils make him feel better. Mm-hmm. And she, she goes and gives them to him and then she tries to, like, brush his cheek or, you know, tell him that she loves him and he just kind of, like, shrugs her off. She's very sweet. Yes. This whole goddamn, his whole goddamn story in this episode is just so tragic. Mm-hmm. And so well acted by everybody. Yeah. Everyone involved with it is doing a fantastic job. Definitely. But after that, we, uh, people will not leave Susan alone about this stupid present, presenting this case thing. So now more concerns riding her dick about it. So uh, let's listen to their conversation. Radial and ulnar pulses are strong. He's gonna need a tetanus. Yeah, and let's give him five of morphine, slow IV push. Give me the bullet. Impaled foreign body fell off a ladder onto a Christmas reindeer display. They're gonna fire me. Through and through left deltoid, distal neuro and vascular intact. Crush Rudolph. Darned expensive, those displays. Your last meal? Breakfast. No, no, I, I don't know. Feel this? 98? Yeah, yeah. BP's 140 over 85, pulse 110. OR been notified? This? It's killing me. OR's ready. Grandma Vance, a spectacular case earlier, Susan. To shoe in for presentation at the SAEM conference. Might even make it into the annals. Uh-huh. Doctors forget that a seemingly benign anesthetic has the potential for cardiac and neurological toxicity. Okay, let's get this puppy up to the OR. Call up Sheriff Tom, we're en route. I presented at the conference when I was a resident. Terrific case, terrific opportunity. I left the visual aids on the plane. Well, I should decline your offer, Dr. Morgenstern, personal reasons. You do realize, don't you, you're a candidate for chief resident next year. I know that I need to start presenting and publishing, but it's just that now it's not a very good time. There's never a good time. I just hate to see the personal overwhelm the job. I'm not overwhelmed, Dr. Morgenstern, and I'm doing my job. Yes, but to build a career, you've got to take on more responsibility. I've taken on plenty of responsibility. So you'll have to forgive me if I don't stay after school these days to work for extra credit. Boom. You tell him, sister. Yeah, that that is one of my favorites. Just, nope, I'm doing my job. Sorry, I can't go to Miami. I'm busy raising a child. I fucking love... This version of Susan. Ugh. Character growth is such a beautiful thing. Good shit. So then we go from there to uh, the hospital in Milwaukee. Mark has arrived. He goes running in, uh, trying to find where the ER is. It's weird seeing him in a different hospital. And it's a different, it's a totally different vibe to this hospital. Like, it's much darker in tone, much softer tones, like, quiet, like, seems much more laid back and calm than County is. Um, they do this like interesting shot with the security cameras as they follow him coming into the um, ER or coming into the hospital and then eventually finding his way to the ER. Um, they kind of like pan over to the security camera monitors and you can just sort of follow him that way. Really, really, really like that. Once he finds the ER, he's uh, told, you know, that Jen is stable, but that she needs some exploratory, exploratory surgery um, and, some repairs she has a fracture in her leg um so there she's getting ready to go into surgery as he comes in so we will we will circle back to this uh, a little bit later on mm, yeah and whoa 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 you guys 
Chloe lives. What? Susan gets a letter, and it's filled with a special present. Susan, this came for you. I had to sign for it. Ooh, secret admirer. Uh, What's up, Chloe? The one and only. As we'll open it. $100 bills. Like, like 20 of them. 30 of them, she says. $3,000. Are they marked in sequential? <laughs> What'd she write? You read it. Ho, 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 little Susie. Aren't you surprised your mommy is so rich? Give this green stuff to Aunt Susie for helping out and doing so much for you. Do you remember me? Loves and kisses your crazy mom. Maybe she's trying to pay her debt. She must have been stunned. That's a holiday thing, you know. It brings out the ghost of many a deadbeat relative. They come from a long line of them. I don't want her money. My advice, take what you can get. And do not expect more. Jesus, Doug, tell us how you really feel. <laughs> I mean, in Chloe's case, though, he's kind of right. Yeah, so how do you guys feel about this situation? I mean... At least she's doing something. Yeah. She's making any sort of effort at all. I think that's and, and progress. An attempt is being made. She's staying true to her word about going to make the money for little Susie. Yeah. It's not quite house buying money, but it's definitely like that's 3000 bucks. Two months rent. Yeah. Especially 1995 money. Yeah. Three months rent. Yeah. I do not believe she made that money from selling things at flea markets. No. Though. Drugs, maybe. Maybe. But still. She's trying. Three thousand bucks is three thousand bucks, and as Amen. long as it's not marked in sequential, yeah, like, like Susan said, I wouldn't look to look a gift horse in the mouth. Yeah, I hope Susan gets herself something nice with a little bit of that money, though. Oh yeah, treat yourself. Treat yourself. Shall shall we go on? Just goddamn it, Chloe. Um. So <laughs> then we go back to Mark, and he sees Rachel in the waiting room, and she is with Craig, and Craig's daughter. Do we remember Craig from last season? We remember Craig's name. We've, this is the first time yes. we've ever seen Craig's face. But but still, we, we remember Craig is a person that works with Jen. Yes. And he he was the one driving. He feels terrible that they got in the accident. He says the other guy came out of nowhere. And he But what was he doing driving all four of them to a Christmas party? Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like that could be an innocent thing. Like... Getting a, yeah, ri- probably, getting a ride with a co-worker who also happens to have a kid and needs a car seat set up like that that actually seems quite practical like i didn't i didn't see a yeah. ton of scandal in that but with the shit that they've laid out from last season and stuff true. and like no, cr- him being at her birthday party and jen dropping their little sexcapade day to talk on the phone with craig when she wouldn't let mark talk on the phone with any of his co-workers so true. i think that's where mark starts to put the dots together yeah and uh, Craig here is played by an actor named Bruce Nozick, uh, who his most famous appearances were in Weeds, and he did some voices in the uh, Fallout series of games. Hmm. Um, and this is his first of just two appearances on the show. So I, I really thought we were going to get more out of Craig, but but nope, it's just the two appearances. And then afterwards, we have a quick beat. Uh, Randy is just chewing a ton of gum, like she does. <laughs> While spraying fake snow on the admin windows, and I forget who it is, but someone comments like, "Can't don't we need to be able to see out of these, see out of those?" And <laughs> Randy's like, "Whatever, they can uh, walk around. Yeah, they can it. walk around." I think it's like Connie or something. 
I think I want to say it's Carol or maybe Suze. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I either way, somebody. It really doesn't matter. Yeah, it's it's a funny little moment, and then we go straight from there. Jeannie is talking to Carol. Uh, she is not having any luck with finding a semi-permanent or permanent spot for Joshua. And Carol says, Oh, don't worry about it. He left an hour ago. So for now they're they were unsuccessful in, in saving the day on this one. And this kind of disheartens Jeannie a little bit. Like she's like up in rehab, you know, I work with a patient, I treat them, I get them back to a normal you know level of function. And then I release them. And Carol has to be kind of like the voice of, reality here and be like that's not really the case down here like we do the best we can but for the most part it's the attitude is like treat them and treat them which is a very that's a very real term and that's a very like real attitude like and it, it it's it's an attitude bred out of circumstance like you the the flow of patients coming through an er particularly one the size of of a downtown chicago hospital like you just don't have the time to dedicate the resources and the energy and the just everything that would be required for each individual patient coming through the door to see them through the entire process. Like you do the best you can, you treat them and you treat them and it sucks, but it's, it's the reality of it. Very well said. Um, so then we go back to Vucelich and Benton mm-hmm. and Benton comments when he's in Vucelich's office earlier and he goes, well, where's the interview? And Vucelich is like, this is it. Follow me. And Vucelich is kind of drilling him on some procedures and stuff as they're walking into an OR and Vucelich is scrubbing in, has his mask on. And I was just like, why does he have a mask and Benton doesn't? What is going on? (laughs) But then, you know, Benton's getting cocky and Vucelich is like, why don't you put your money where your mouth is and scrub in? And Benton's like, well, he says something really arrogant and Benton-ish. I don't remember what it is exactly, but he starts scrubbing in and um, Vucelich just goes, you're arrogant as hell. I like that. <laughs> and it's just, it's a really nice moment between the two of them. And I very appreciate Busilich's delivery on that. But then we go back over and we check in on Jen. And the doctor says that she survived the surgery well. She's stable. She's recovering. Mark will be able to go in and see her soon. And we'll come back to her in just a, just a minute. Uh, but for now, we get Doug and his mystery day. Let's listen to their conversation. Oh. <laughs> oh. How are you? Let me look at you. Still ugly as sin. <laughs> Let's get a drink. So what what about this fancy dinner? Something wrong? Can I just take you to a nice restaurant? I would have been happy to throw something together at home. Mom, just let me do this, okay? Well, suit yourself. There we go. Um, what do you want? Champagne cocktail. Moet, please. <laughs> I'll have a Manhattan straight up. Thanks. So how's my famous son doing? I'm still fixing kids for a living. How's Howard? I never see him. You're in tax deadline. I'm a CPA widow, what can I say? <laughs> you heard from anyone? Besides the Tribune calling about you? Anyone else? What's up, Douglas? Nothing is up. I don't even start. I know you. Dad called. What does he want? He saw me on TV and he just wanted to touch base. So what did you say? I told him I'd get lost. He wants money. He's not going to get any money, so... 
What does he think? He can just waltz right into our lives as any damn Tommy wants to. I didn't tell you this to upset you. <sighs> He's up to something, Doug. Just forget about it. Can't touch us ever again. The plot thickens. I, I like Doug's mom. I do too. Yeah, I do too. She seems like a very nice lady, which <laughs> is very which I'm which is very good when you would when you think just it's nice that Doug has at least one non shitbag parent. Yep. I have some comments about the actress's history um, and some characters she's played though, but yeah, uh, Daniel, tell us who uh, plays her. Uh, Doug's mom is played by Piper Laurie, who is a very famous actress, very prolific. Uh, she's appeared in um, a bunch of different stuff. Uh, she's got 117 credits in total, dating all the way back to 1950. So she has been uh, a screen actress for, what, five, going on seven decades now? Like, yeah. that's insane. Does she have recent stuff, too? I believe so, yeah. She's still... She's still oh, with us and, and still working, so she's awesome. Um, she's been in stuff like The Hustler, Carrie, and Twin Peaks, among many other things. And this is her first of two appearances as Doug's mom. She is a bee in Twin Peaks. <laughs> was it? Oh, okay. Took me a second. I was like, like a bee movie? Or like... <laughs> bzz, bzz. I don't... I don't know. She's she her her character in Twin Peaks is a terrible human being, and she executes it so well. I think that's why it was really jarring for me to see her here because I've been finally watching Twin Peaks, and so I was just like, wait. <laughs> and she's such a nice lady here. Yeah, yeah, and it's nice to get a little more of the backstory to yeah why Doug was so perturbed at the call from yeah. his father. Flesh out his backstory just a little more. Also, ew, Manhattans. Ugh. Nope. Yeah, ugh, Manhattans are disgusting. Give me a gin and tonic any day. Take a Moscow mule, thank you very much, I am a hipster. Uh, <laughs> no, you just have good taste, those are delicious. So then we go from there uh, to Carol showing up at the Sullivan Arch to give Josh his pencils, and he's sitting at the base of it, uh, drawing and, you know, doing the doing much of the same stuff he's been doing the whole episode you know like his performance really doesn't change based on the setting like he's kind of i think that's one of the the best things about his performance is that it's very consistent you know she gives him a blanket to to wrap up in returns his pencils that he left at the hospital and and just kind of leaves him be and this is where we leave josh for the episode and it's just it i again i want to reiterate like i really really like adam goldberg's performance i like him as an actor in general but i really like the way he he works in this episode i think he does a really good job yeah um and then we'll go into our uh next audio after that we have uh harper and genie uh joined by carter just having just having a chat about the day and uh we learned some interesting things about harper so let's listen in what did she say she said okay honey let's go home ah the beauty of codependency mm. hey <laughs> hey Jeannie and I are just drowning our bad day. Over root beer? Uh, How was surgery? Slow. I held the clamp. Sorry about tonight. Do you guys have a date? A date? During med school. What, are you kidding? How many more years? Counting the Air Force? Air Force. She felt like she needed a little more direction in her life. <laughs> Did a lot of drugs as a kid. Didn't do well in high school. 15th in the class of 2000. Could have done better. Um, and in college, I knew I wanted more. Be a fighter pilot. 
And a doctor. So one semester... This really good-looking recruiter comes by. <laughs> and I signed up. You have been listening. Yeah, I've been listening. Yeah. They're paying for med school, and after residency, I give them four years of service. Well, my husband thought I was an overachiever. Hmm. She didn't even gotten to the astronaut part. <laughs> Wait, Harper's gonna be an astronaut? That's awesome. Wait, what? <laughs> I'm here for it. Yeah, I forgot about this little wrinkle with her character the air well, force gives you a built-in exit strategy for for her character so yeah i don't remember if they actually use it though like i don't remember I don't if that's remember the either. reason why she leaves but we'll see but yeah i i like i like adding that little wrinkle to her and also too i like hearing carter kind of like gush over her a little bit it's like oh yeah my, my girlfriend's really my girlfriend's really smart she's gonna be an astronaut <laughs> he's so proud yeah he really is and it's it's nice to hear i like the way she gives me hickeys Gross. <laughs> Hematomas. They're hickeys, Daniel. Y'all are adults. <laughs> so then we go, Susan is doing laundry in her building, and she runs into a neighbor, and the neighbor comments on how little Susie is just so beautiful, like her mama talking about Susan. And Susan at first goes like, ah, to correct her, and then just doesn't bother. It's like, thank you. It just kind of is embracing little Susie as her own, which is very sweet. And then, um... We go to Carol listening to some old records while she and Shep tear down the plaster wall that Joshua told her about regarding the fireplace. And before they get to ripping the wall down, um, she hangs Joshua's drawing up on the support beams, which is very sweet. Then they rip the wall down. Lo and behold, there's a gorgeous fireplace behind it. And then they dance together and smooch. They're really pushing Shep and Carol on us. I lo- I'm here for it, though. I think they're very sweet together. But I'm just saying, like, the show in, really wants In this us, episode, yes. The show really wants us all to love Shep and Carol as a ship. Ship, Shep, and Carol. <laughs> say, listeners, that five, say that five times fast. Listeners, what do you think of Shep and Carol? Cheryl? I don't mean the name. Cheryl, I mean the actual yeah. relationship. No, I'm saying that's not what we should call it. Cheryl? <laughs> no. Cheryl. <laughs> you're having too much Better fun coming up. Better than Kep. Yeah, you're having too much fun coming up with ship names. I might have to ground you. Carol? Kelp? Nah. It doesn't work. I'm just saying if we're throwing out weird mixes of vowels and consonants. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let's wrap this uh, baby up here. With a bombshell. Oh, yeah. Uh, we have Mark visiting Jen in the hospital. And things are... Things aren't, aren't good. Let's put it that way. Hi, baby. Mm-hmm. Mark. I spoke with the doctor. Everything went really well. Rachel. She's fine. In the waiting room. Is Craig still here? Yeah, he is. I have to talk now. When you come home. I didn't want to tell you before Christmas. I know. I know, Jen. You fell in love with him? 
And and there's your bombshell for this episode, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between. And no one's shocked. But still, it had to happen sooner. Yeah. It had to happen sooner or later. But yeah, still, they do a, a very good job of still conveying some amount of emotion and like some amount of significance to something that everybody and their mother could see was doomed, and has been waiting for the the other shoe to drop for over a season now. But they, they do a really good job of, of at least making it out to be something very significant. So I, I give them credit for managing to salvage an actual, honest-to-God, emotional moment out of something that I think we all could agree on going back to the middle of last season was, like, DOA. Like, we were just like, yeah, this is over. Like, we don't need to... We've been We've been sort of criticizing them for, like, keep... They just keep, like, resurrecting this thing and keep, like, why are we still doing this? And it actually did have a payoff, so... You know, kudos to them. Yeah, I mean, we we've definitely been the three of us have definitely been wanting to finally get here, and it's here, and I'm still sad. I just hate to see my boy in pain. That's all. Yeah, but it's for the best. I, I mean, know, it really is. I know, I know. It might be it might be painful in the moment, but like it is definitely for the best. Before long, we'll have Mark with a goatee, uh, which is what the world uh, needs right now in these trying times of 2020. Is Mark uh, Green a... with a goatee? You know, you want to uh. see it, folks. I'm excited. I don't know about anyone else, but <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm good. Uh, oh, Mark. Yeah, this felt like a very fast episode. It did. It went by very quickly. Yeah, it's a quick one, but I like it. I like it a lot. It's a nice pick me up. I say as it ends with a like essentially a divorce, but like, yeah, it's a nice pick me up like quality wise from the last episode. I felt like the last episode was pretty overall kind of underwhelming. And this one, I feel like we're we're back to form. You know, we've we're a lot of we're juggling a lot of things. A lot of things are are still in process, but I felt like we got a lot of good things out of this episode. We're getting better with Weaver. Uh, we got good stuff with Carter, both character work wise, personally, and then also his relationship with Benton. Like Susan doing great stuff. Like there's a lot to like in this episode. Lots of individually strong moments. Yeah, it was quick, but it didn't feel too frenetic. See, this is why I like letting both of y'all talk, because y'all basically are just, like, tuned into my brain with this stuff. So, like, I never have anything <laughs> to really add. You can just go, I liked it. It was good. I like turtles. Um, <laughs> look, look at all those chickens. <laughs> now we need to go watch some vine compilations. Oh, I smell like beef. All right, well, that's going to about wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only a dollar a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. Higher tier rewards, once unlocked, will include special season recap episodes, a monthly bonus show called The Lounge, where we'll talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives and in pop culture in that moment, and also monthly movie commentaries, where we watch and talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. I think uh, The Librarian is... I think that's our next one. I think that's our next yeah, one. Yeah, that's next up. We'd also appreciate if you would follow us on our social media accounts. Uh, we are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast, And we are at SettingTheTonePodcast on Instagram. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music. And Daniel, where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at Dan.U, that is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. Awesome. And uh, Lauren, where can folks find you at? 
Folks can find me having not done my homework and decided on what I'm live tweeting this week at lowbob92345. And you can also find me on Twitter. I am at randomgamer. That's G A M 3 R. And thank you again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time and have a great week.